Welcome to Machine Learning. Today I'll be talking about a book written by DeBono called Mechanisms of the Mind. It's a real interesting book as it highlights some of the mechanisms for which uh, we think. And <clears throat> he starts and he says, the brain may not be as difficult to understand as previously thought. Instead, the problem may be it is too easy to understand. Um, I think that's kind of a profound idea that uh, we're looking for a complex explanation for how the brain works, and it might be quite simple. We know that 35% or so of the brain is used for visual processing, and we know that visual processing was necessary in the early development of the brain for understanding spatial relationships between objects and identifying what objects were. Later, we know that language and words were are strongly associated with um, objects. So the words and the objects are related, including nouns and verbs and adjectives. So those, <clears throat> those uh, mechanisms are in part of the brain. Explanations may be highly acceptable without relevance to what is being explained. <clears throat> and uh, it's often interesting because we generalize uh, so much in our abstractions, our understanding, and we do accept many of the ideas that are coming to us intelligently. Uh, we're denoting things. We're seeing bigger applications through the abstractions. And the truth is in the abstraction, not in the data. The data um, by itself is meaningless, but the abstraction or the models for which we model the data into are meaningful. Not all models are going to be accurate, and some models are going to be useful, is the way the this, this state, statement goes. Descriptions may reveal something is not apparent and may be unfamiliar. And that's because words uh, by themselves are empty. We need to associate those words with things that we know, experiences that we have, uh, concepts that we have grasped, and actions that we perform. So you, words usually describe things or actions. A few words don't describe things, but are helpful tools for dealing with words like multiplication, division, and addition, which are symbols. The more I think about the way our language is, be, uh, is transforming, we are moving to an era where we're kind of like the Egyptians, where we're writing condensed uh, notation, either in the form of mathematics or computer code that are very symbolic, uh, icographic, they're glyphic, and um, they can express many words with one symbol. Uh, for example, if you had the symbol for hydrogen, how many things would you think about in terms of hydrogen as a symbol? The basic building block of all elements, or basic building block, simplest element 
of all the uh, elements. Uh, the uh, two hydrogen and one oxygen make water, the most abundant uh, source of energy on the earth. Um, and as you get more knowledge and experience, uh, you might understand that the hydrogen has the right gravitational pull uh, for stability in the universe and for the formation of plasma and, uh, and uh, conversion of uh, plasma, uh, consumption of hydrogen as it can be burned. And so um, it can produce energy. So there's a lot of knowledge in these symbols. Uh, we can say like, for example, with uh, AI, you might look at a neuron there, there's another um, symbol we could use uh, tangent H, we can use R-E-L-U, uh, we can use sigmoid uh, to control the behavior of that neuron um, and, uh, and, and its behavior. So <clears throat> uh, words, words can, are, are becoming more representation representative of information stored in our brain. The brain's bad memory feature provides for uh, computer computing functionality. And so the computer is the extension of the mind. And as we look at uh, machine learning and AI, that will be extension of the mind, uh, higher levels of creativity where the machine can come up with new uh, images from data that it has. It can uh, learn from different spatial models and uh, predict what the next sequence could be in an action uh, entertainment frame or in a series of words. And so it could start to compose its own music, it could compose its own art, and it can compose its own stories. And so um, uh, and it can learn from other stories what might be possible plots or twists uh, in the plot that would create uh, literature, drama, and entertainment. And so it would not surprise me if some point in the near future we have a complete, completely generated computer movie uh, where the narrative was also created by the computer. Thinking has four types, natural, logical, mathematical, and lateral. Systems do not have to be complicated or unintelligible. And that is really important. A system does not have to be complicated. Um, it is mainly how we set up the framework, our perspective on how we do business, simplifying the business process, getting uh, more understanding of the components, abstracting, standardizing, and uh, automating process can make things simple. So we can have uh, very complex systems, but they can be very understandable from a intellectual standpoint. And they don't have to be unintelligible, uh, meaning that they are dumbed down so that we can't, we don't have to think. We, we still may have to understand very complex uh, concepts. We may need to know what the, um, intent of certain equations are 
and as they're related to different functions or how um, the uh, what are the objectives and goals and requirements of the business in order to uh, understand the system what happens in a brain our information and the way it happens is thinking so we move from the point of now gathering data we store the data in our brain um, uh, we correlate that data with other data that we have and that process of rearranging that information to make something meaningful to us of importance or interest is what we call thinking. So thinking is the arrangement of information processed by the brain and restructuring of information to improve results. And just like the AI, we, we are the same way. We, we want to improve results. We uh, uh, take different things from different disciplines. Uh, we, we observe how it works. Uh, we, we keep the things that work well for us. We discard the things that don't. And uh, we keep trial and erring. And uh, occasionally we dream and are, we become more conscious of uh, better designs or different approaches. And so we are collect collectively connected somehow to a, we are collectively connected to intelligence. We are intelligent ourselves. Uh, we have we exist uh, as intelligent, and we also have a brain, and our our spirit, and our brain, and intelligence integrate together, and uh, 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 we can process far far greater information um, as a result. If we were um, to know and see our spirit, we would say that it could hold much more uh, light and truth and intelligence than our brain. Um, and so as we, we, uh, our bodies are combined with our spirit, uh, we, we have this intelligence that's a part of our body. And so, um, you know, God created us that way, and, uh, but in our essence, we are intelligence. So to say to try to take a atheistic approach and say that the body and the and the spirit um, have nothing to do with each other is not true. It cannot be true because a brain by itself could not process all the intelligence that, that our essence has. Simple basic process can be put together to give systems complicated behavior as the brain. Some knowledge of the properties of basic unit is required at each level of information form, but a detail, detailed knowledge of the basic level does not yield any information about higher levels of organization. For example, nerves and synaptic connections detail information, but does not give insight into the notion and ideas that form abstractions. So that's the idea that you have these simple, almost uh, the, the behavioral or task-oriented units that do work, and um, they they can be very complicated, but they do not um, yield into abstractions. They they pr they produce uh, feedback into higher uh, realm units, and the, organize these inputs and. Uh, create 
ideas. So an example of that would be like the convolution neural net with the kernel. The kernel is gathering uh, information of interest in the hidden layers uh, where you're, where there are higher numbers of features are being uh, uh, analyzed and paying attention to. And uh, those higher levels then can be things like uh, recognizing a face or a behavior that might indicate or predict that another behavior is going to occur. If units are too small, the functional description cannot be described. And if units are too big, the description will be too broad to use it all. The perfect size is a unit big enough to be usable as an explanation, but also capable of making predictions. Once a model is constructed, it has a life and working of its own. And uh, that's an, an important uh, point because we talked about this yesterday in the podcast that uh, you can't just turn on these fancy algorithms and then uh, train them and then leave them alone and assume that they will never break because there's going to be additional parameters introduced. There's going to be modifications, enhancements in the process. And uh, as that new data comes in and those new features uh, impact the model, the model uh, will have to be dynamic and be updated and changed. So it, it will uh, depend on how dynamic the system is. And so moving to a more organic based system of thinking about these models is going to be adaptive and allow for uh, greater change. With a model, you can piece things together and learn from what happens. And uh, that's also another good point, that we can learn what happened in the past. So the models can uh, do the forensics, pull from the data, and help us do the detective work on what happened in the past, and possibly even recreate things that are happening in the past. A model is a method of transferring some relationship or process from its actual setting to a setting where it's more conveniently studied. And, uh, and the, those correlations or relationships are in the neural nets, uh, in the layers of the neural net. And um, as we get better visualization tools, we can start understanding what correlations that the neural net is finding. We can use like the lasso uh, approach to find out what features are important uh, or most important. Uh, we can use uh, uh, long-term short memory to uh, focus on things that are important in the network and discard things that are not important. In a model, relationships and processes are preserved unchanged through the things that are being related. Um, uh, though the things that are being related may change. All models involve the transformation of relationship from the original setting to another. Once the transformation has been made, then the relationship between the model itself indicates what could ha can happen. You know, this is amazing. This book was written before uh, deep learning and uh, transfer learning where you have a small data set and you're going to learn from another uh, larger data set, it's gonna transfer that knowledge and weights to the neural net. And so with a very limited data set, it can still perform very well. We have uh, reinforced learning where goals and policies 
of rewards and punishments uh, allow the network to change. And so when you look at what he's saying here, in a model, relationships and processes are preserved unchanged, though the things that are being related may change. So, you know, we're going to put in these deep neural nets. We're going to set up their topography and and uh, topology. And uh, uh, and then we're, we're not going to take those processes out. Once that automation becomes a part of accepted business processes, they're not going to be removed, even though the things that they are observing or measuring are going to be changed. All models involve the transformation of a relationship from the original setting to another. Yeah, and uh, um, and so, yeah, the, this collective this, the knowledge transfer, there's going to be more companies um, that are going to transfer knowledge from maybe one company, what's working well in their automation to other companies. Uh, there could be work in AI in the medical field, collaboration between countries where information is being shared. We, we know that with COVID, there was lots of sharing of uh, data models and uh, uh, data sets that allowed uh, computer scientists to begin to analyze uh, the data and look for trend and also to try to figure out the behavior of the COVID. We also know that um, there are efforts to try to figure out the protein folding that would manifest the um, defects in the mRNA and how the amino acids, certain amino acids were affected by the COVID. And so there is this transfer of, of knowledge that's going on in a huge way. And I think what they'll do is they will solve COVID, they will solve cancer, and they'll solve the cold because we'll, we'll gain so much knowledge uh, through sharing and also through analyzing uh, the function of this um, um, disease that we will be able to solve the problems of these other harder related problems like cancer and the cold. A notion is a building system. Basic principles are arranged and applied differently, creating a notion. Newton math mathematics use Lisbeth's uh, limits to explain areas under a curve, and Newton's simple condensed Lisbeth's um, principles. So that was the principle of limits and approximations, and that became then uh, what we call the integral. So the integral um, was then taking these limits and taking very, very small uh, uh, areas and approximating them. Uh, either they were areas or volumes and approaching inf infinity. A convenient notation may make possible the development of different ideas. So what we, once we get, gain one idea, we can look at other coordinate systems for explaining that idea also. Um, we could, for example, in mathematics, you had Cartesian, you had polar, you had spherical, you had cylindrical, you had spherical, you have tensor and, uh, and uh, curvilinear systems. And all these different systems uh, can relate to each other. One system is harder than the other uh, to solve certain pro problems, like if you have uh, spherical shapes and you're trying to solve them using Cartesian coordinate systems, it's possible, but it's uh, uh, very difficult in the equations. Same with the, the way we're looking at pr solving problems with uh, data. 
uh, we're going to find different frameworks that are going to be easier. Right now we have Keras, but you could have PyTorch, um, and then you could have TensorFlow. And it looks like TensorFlow might be more popular uh, from the standpoint of usage. The mechanism mode of thought does not prove a similar mechanism acts in the brain. The mechanism of thought may be useful because it's interesting to understand self-education, self-organizing passive systems that are capable of effective information processing by means of a few simple operations. The system described is capable of self-direction of attention, thinking, learning, even humor, removing the unique and magical fashion the brain operates. The idea that there may be inbuilt errors in information processing system may have relevance in human thinking. The system would offer a mechanical philosophy and be capable of organizing ideas. By the nature of the surface is meant all the processes and rules of behavior which taken together constitute a special universe. Anything that happens in the special universe happens according to rules. The difficult thing is to realize that different universes have different rules of their own. The rules are determined by the organization of the system. People are the same, but the rules may be very different in different social universes. One needs to recognize the existence of special universes and learn their special rules of behavior. Circular systems effects. A weak battery won't start a car if continually used. Uh, it will weaken the battery even further. Rich people get richer. Big newspapers get bigger. When people buy stocks during rising inflation, the prices rise as more people want to buy stocks and bonds in order to benefit from the rising prices. These are examples of positive feedback system scenarios. If the first thing tends to get bigger, then the second thing will get bigger. Closed circle. The reverse is true. If the first thing gets smaller, the second thing will get smaller. If the first thing has an opposite effect on the second, the connection line is interrupted as an open circle. This is what they call uh, covariance in statistics. If uh, one, um, one is high and one is low, then you have uh, low covariance. So you want, you want covariance to be high and the other, other variable to be high and uh, low and low. You don't want them to diverge. Suppose an area has the abundance of good jobs when people will move in making it easier for others to follow. The increased flux of labor saturates the market and work prospects don't look as good. The work opportunities decline and people move out of the area. Emotion is the major source of variability on special memory surface. Once emotional aspects have been take charge, no increased amount of information will take over. And uh, that's so true. And if you don't, if you have emotional state, um, more, adding more information will not change uh, the outcomes. The original pattern allows the channeling of emotion. Emotion in its broadest sense provides the sole mechanism of adaption whereby more useful patterns may gain dominance. Emotion provides substance of self and individuality. Logically, logically thinking would be impossible without emotion. Emotion is essential to information processing. 
A feeling is followed by rationalization and may be just as useful as sequential approach. Much of the surface memory information is internal patterns representing the needs and emotions of the body. Attention follows the area of activation or the words that contours of the memory surface. The area of activation on the memory surface is strictly limited and cannot exceed the given size. The limited attention area settles on the most active part of the memory surface or the part most frequently used. The individual is paying attention to one part of the total. The limited attention span has an advantage to the mind. Much is left out and discarded as irrelevant. This is almost reminds me of like dropout rate in convolution neural nets is that they found that uh, by dropping out a percentage of things that uh, the, neur the neural net would pay more attention to s different parts of the data and thereby improve the accuracy. So naturally we do something of the same thing and we have a limited attention span and that allows us then to discard the irrelevant. Something is selected and the ability to select is important. Selection means emotional preference and the ability to act on choice. Breaking things into fragments has an advantage. Fragments have mobility. Language consists of mobile fragments that can be strung together in different ways. Mathematics, science, and measurements are fragmented processes. Yeah, they do. They are. They don't. Uh, it's interesting that you would think that mathematics would be a language of the sciences, that physics and mathematics would uh, be closely correlated. But I found that mathematics and physics were very different universes. Um, even though physics used many of the the techniques of the mathematics, the internal produced patterns of pain, pleasure intrude on the pure memory surface and help to direct attention. Selection is based on uselessness and instead of familiarity. The memory surface no longer deals with information for its own sake, but only in terms of usefulness, in terms of survival and adaption that is essential.